<laughs> One, two, three. Hey, we nailed it that time. It's only the second try. You dumb dumb. I am a dumb dumb. Here we go. Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast from Studio Breezy. We got Bobble Juan, Matthew, Breezy, Mix and Toby are here somewhere, but I gave them a little something special, so hopefully they won't bother us. Gave them some little treats. But we're here with a distinguished guest, co- head coach of the men's team and sporting director, Rod Underwood. Hey guys, what's up? How you doing, Rod? Good. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, right off the bat, last time um, we talked about your passion and love for reading, so I was wondering if you've read any great books lately. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> there's so many. Um, Anything you would recommend to the, we have a lot of uh, regular folks that listen to this podcast, but I think they're mostly big soccer nerds. You got anything in, in that uh, vein? Yeah, I, I, I read, um, I just read a, a data book. Oh, what's the name of the book? Uh, I can't even remember, sitting right on my mantle. Uh, what's the name of the book? Um Maybe we'll put it in the show notes for folks. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll follow I'll, up with you and yeah, then yeah, yeah. We'll put it in the show <laughs> yeah, notes. Yeah, I can't remember but is now. it? It's a book about about soccer data and soccer, soccer analytics. Data. Yeah, yeah, soccer analytics. Yeah. Well, that will be right up the alley for about six of our listeners. <laughs> I might mean, and, and Matthew and I included. You, if you text me a picture of it later tonight, I might <laughs> might buy it immediately on Amazon. <laughs> You're also looking very good today. Coordinated blue on blue on blue. Got that that limited edition Chattahooligan hoodie. Yes, I like it. It's very nice. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. Um. We like it as well. I actually don't have that newer version. I only have the old one. My wife has that one. Um, I might need to get that one. It's stretchier. My old yeah. one is like the old hoodie fabric, which is fine, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> and then uh, you've been running? Every day. How many miles did you run last week as an example? I try to do a minimum of like 40 a week. So it varies. And on a crazy week, it might be 70. <laughs> you, had said, you had said that you were, you were at 70 uh, last Last year we had this conversation. Well, I'm a year older too, so it's, it's a little <laughs> bit harder. <laughs> now, are you at seven? I know you said you use a training plan, but are sometimes you at seventy because it's a stressful week? Like, does that ever happen? I love running, so it's like I can just like go running and forget where I am. That people think that's crazy, but I can just like lose where I'm going and just go. I can tell you, he doesn't think it's crazy. I do because uh, I am not a uh, I am not a runner. But that I, guy, I mean, I think it's crazy now. But I remember what that feeling was like. That does not exist anymore for me. <laughs> he still he still runs just just a little bit. Goes on a, a jog every now and then. A jog every now. And, then. Uh, and I know you you were living in the walking distance to Southside Pizza, and I've seen you in that. How many times a week do you get Southside Pizza, and how do you not make it seven times a week? Yeah, no, they're closed yeah. On Monday. So it's right there. It's right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally two blocks, two blocks. So the right there, and then that neighborhood right behind it. Yeah. I'm right in that neighborhood. Yeah. That's, how do you not go there every night? Uh, my wife <laughs> tells me not to go. Spend money. <laughs> not to spend the money. And I would imagine you're running enough probably to burn off the carbs. But I would imagine if you ate pizza every night, you might not feel it. You're, you know. Yeah, it'd be hard to eat pizza every night. Now, Chris, we eat pizza every night. Chris, we eat pizza. <laughs> all 
meals of the day. I'll have to get, get, yeah. uh, I didn't realize he was such a, I, I am also a pizza. I have to keep myself, you know, we're about seven minutes from there right now. And yeah. I have to keep my, whenever we're, we get pizza, in fact, Ella's getting it tomorrow. She's having some of her friends over to play cards and they are getting Southside pizza. <laughs> whenever, I think now that we've moved, um, into this house, I think three quarters of our order in meals or pickup meals are Southside pizza. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes it's sense. just my spot. Um, and then I think the last question we have before we kind of get into some of the, um, league specific stuff and looking back at last year and whatever else is are there any coaches or teams in world soccer you've been looking at this year well i mean for me i don't i watch <laughs> way too much soccer mm. in the sense <laughs> of like but i try not i watch very few teams for i try to watch after the scores there so i don't get emotionally involved mm. so i can just <laughs> learn from the game so barca and City are the only two teams that I will say that I watch for the for the entertainment. Did you watch the game yesterday, Chelsea Manchester City? I didn't. I, I didn't. watched it after. I didn't see it. I'm gonna live. watch it. Yeah, I gotta watch you it. You know, yeah. the, do you know the result already? I know the result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I watched. I watched the last 15 minutes this morning. I just had thrown it on and was like cleaning the house and doing all these things, and then uh, I was. I mean, it's an enthralling game. Yeah, I've it's heard, an enthralling yeah. game. And Pochettino is back. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew. Well, no, listen, like English football is really English football is better for having Pochettino back in the league. Um, and the fact that he's at Chelsea is for a Spurs fan is, an, I guess, annoying. But also we made the decision not even to talk to him again. Right. And we got Postacoglu. Who's done a good job. Who's done a number one, a good job. And number yeah. two, like it's he's an interesting one for mm-hmm. for his style of play, because when when he was hired at Spurs, uh, co-host Smitty uh, was was all all down the rabbit holes and the YouTube videos watching and whatever, and so I was like, hey, you know, like, what kind of what kind of soccer does he like to play? And he's like, did you watch CFC this weekend? I like, yeah, I was I was there, man. And he's like, <laughs> it's literally that, <laughs> you know, the the kind of W and, and build up and four cross and uh one box to box you know midfielder one like regular 10 in the hole doing stuff like wide mid it was it was interesting uh and that's been a really fascinating thing to watch two teams play sometimes on the same day <laughs> in the same sort of style <laughs> Do, have you watched much spurs uh i watched i've watched one game this year maybe and i watched because i wanted to, everyone's talking about what he's doing sure. what he's doing what he's doing so i'm like okay well let's see what he's doing and I'll watch, I mean, I'll, 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 now the offseason, I'll watch more. I'll go back and watch games now that the offseason is a good way to learn, good way to look at. I mean, don't watch what he's doing now because he just lost like two of his starters. But well, yeah. watch, yeah, watch what he's yeah. already done. Yeah. The injury was, bug bit them the first, hard. The first 10 games uh, are, are interesting. I think interesting to watch, especially, again, there was what? There was a couple games against uh, Brentford at the beginning of the season, Sheffield United, where it's just full on, you know, breaking down a bunkered team. Yeah. And then you get some of the more open game, like the Arsenal game was a little bit more open, uh, and I one other one I'm forgetting, and those those were the ones. Uh, like it's exciting to be a Spurs fan, number one. Although I did not watch the Chelsea game because it came right after uh, the Monday after our uh, semifinal loss, and I just like swore it off. It's like, <laughs> nope, I'm doing literally anything else, and that worked out for me actually personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, first league championship in team history, first regular season, in a national league, we yep. use that. Um, first pro championship. Uh, Matthew has written down here, and we're going to argue during this podcast about this. <laughs> he keeps writing down two losses. We had four. No, it was two. <laughs> he counts. He says draw, then you advance. Um, but That's uh, how it works. Anyway, 
pretty good, pretty good season. Yeah, I, I mean, the goal was to get better in a lot of statistical categories, and we did. The goal was to change the profile of positions. Uh, we did. I mean, the number one was to try to change the profile and goal and then find more players that fit even closer to what we wanted to do. So we feel very good about that in that regard. And, you know, it's just it's really a crazy feeling because it's like, you know, from day one to the last day of the regular season, we control the league. I mean, we we control the league. So that's, yeah, you had a little, you had some dips here and there and those kind of things. But um, I think overall, I mean, in terms of start to finish, we really can't complain. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, I mean, we're a week out from the from the semifinal. So just like, what number one? How you how you feeling like personally, emotionally? Well, it's 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 really hard to swallow because you look at the team that won, and I don't believe we gave up a goal against them all year. Um, Correct. And you know they would say that yeah, some games were lucky, but it's whatever. Um, at the end of the day, they won, so give them all the credit. They won, they did it, they figured it out, and they got it done. So take nothing away from there, what they did. Um, but going into that game, we said we wanted to increase our volume of shots, and we wanted to increase our expected goals, and we did that. So we trained for what you saw besides putting the ball in the back of the net. We put ourselves in the position to score a lot of goals, and that's what we wanted to do because we felt like toward the end of the season we weren't creating enough chances. And, I mean, we were – I think our expected goals was 3.4. Theirs was 0.3. So, I don't <laughs> I don't know, right? It's just one of those things. So, I have a slight um, tangent here from Zach Taylor. I said, if you had to pick any player in the world – in world football, and then I want to come back to maybe – what we needed besides the ball going in. Uh, but if you had any player in the world, in world football, to build a team around, who would it be? Messi. Why? There's nobody better. <laughs> I mean, for me, he even, is... Even at his age now? Even at his age now. I, I think there are better players than Messi now. But there is no player that has more influence on the teammates, which makes the team better. Because when you look at Messi, right, there's always the... You look at certain players, look at Zidane or all the way back to Platini or those types of players, they made everyone else better. If you take American sports, Michael Jordan makes everyone better in his day. You know, there's other players in other sports, right, that make... So for me, when you build around a player... They make everyone better where multiple players can win games on a regular basis. But some players are just players. They can win the game by themselves. Like Cristiano Rondo, great goal scorer. He can win the game for you most times he steps on the field. But he's having an off day. He hasn't made other people around him to have the confidence and the ability to win games without him being, without him doing, being on the level they need to be on. And that's why Messi for me is, yeah, I mean, look, Diego Maradona, love. Pelé, love. All these guys that are in there that people talk about. There's players in there that I would talk about that aren't in that conversation. But 
for me, what was because even going into the World Cup, I was debating that. I was debating: is Messi really the best? Is he really the best ever? But what was so unique for me about the World Cup is every single player on that team they sacrificed everything for Messi to win. They cared nothing about what they got. They cared nothing if they got any publicity. All they wanted to do was do whatever it takes for Messi to win. And that was clear day in and day out every single time. And that's what I mean by just like he galvanized that team. Mm. And that's like for me is really special. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Um, before before talking more about the finals, I'm sure we will. Uh, we were absolutely bitten by the injury bug this year, I think. Um, do you think that's the universe evening out last year's health? Because uh, we say we <laughs> stay pretty healthy, uh, or is it something maybe we did differently this year? Do we had practice too much on turf? Do you have an idea of what like happened between? Because it was just so different. Basically. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the injuries, you look at um, you look at Ethan's injury, and it was just a fluke injury. It wasn't. It didn't matter if it was on turf or grass. Taylor's injury. I mean, he got injured on grass. Um, La was something he's dealt with for a while and it just he couldn't go anymore with that and then um yeah who else was there partita oh yeah partita yeah that's right every every right back on the roster (laughs) yeah i mean he came in super excited for him and he started having some problems in his groin area so they said the doctor shut him down for preseason and it's Wednesday before the first game or some game. I can't remember which game it was. If he had a good session that day, he was going to be available for the roster on Saturday. And he tore his ACL. This was right before the Gold Star game because yeah. he played 30 minutes for the uh, the last exhibition game. Yeah. So he tore his ACL. And it's like, wow. I mean, we were, we were maybe halfway through the training or toward the end of the training. So we're almost done. And it was just... And then, but... You know, give the guy credit. I mean, I, I thought it was over. Like, but he came back the last three weeks. He was training with us. How and close was he from being ready for? I mean, he's being still on the a bench. ways away, but he was. Is it like six months, seven months, and he was back in training, and with an ACL, which is like all props to the kid. It's man. unheard of, almost. Yeah, he was really like. I was I I, I had written him off because it's like there's no way he's gonna come back with this, but his mentality was special so good for him it was really really good for him but i i mean the injuries colin as well that was a contact injury yeah colin yeah it was the back thing and the ankle oh i think it's brakes on a truck that's going sorry i can hear that i was like what is that whining sound i'm surprised the dogs weren't barking i thought i thought mix was like pushing a a dog bowl very very slowly (laughs) across the floor Sorry, back to Collins' injury. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think he had a, he had a tough year. I thought in terms of injuries, he had a couple. He had one at the beginning. Yeah, one the... he had his back and then his his ankle, but he never gave up. Right, he he focused, he pushed, and that's that's one thing about Colin. Colin is really a guy that just when he gets focused, he's going, and he you know he just made sure he put a timeline on for himself and he said, "I'm going to be back by this time," and you know he pushed and he got there. But I think more so than the injuries how the team managed the injuries, right? Because let's be honest, Taylor in the f- our first 14 games, he was directly involved in seven or eight of those. 
and we lose that. I mean, but we, you know, we bought in Jesus, who was a really big, big pickup for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did well, you know, Sebastian stepped in and really, you know, he was, he was bought in just to give up depth that if we needed someone to spell someone, that was going to be his role. And he played critical minutes. Yeah. So you, know, you look at those things and um, obviously it helps that, you know, guys like Alex and, um, and Richard, so durable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nags, for the most part, was really durable. Jesus coming in was really durable. So they put up JP, ton of minutes, right? I mean, he might have played the most minutes of everybody this Aiden year. Aiden played the most. Aiden played the most. Okay. In, no, actually not. Within really? 45 minutes that Aiden set out against Savannah in the second half. Is it JP? For load management, I think gives it to, uh, in the league specifically, you're at 2143 for JP. You're at 2148 for Richard. Okay. Wow, Richard. Okay. <laughs> that guy, man, he keeps going. Every and that and that's because he only the only time he sat was uh, in the league at all. I think was Maryland, one right? one game where you pulled him like five, yeah. ten, 15, whatever it was minutes to go in yeah, the game. Yeah. Uh, I see. I because he was pretty banged up or, mm-hmm. or something like that. I remember having this conversation last year where we were like end of the season. And you were like, "Yeah, we're hoping Richard doesn't have to uh, you know play so many minutes and put so many miles." And <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't. I think there was the quote was something to the effect of like we ended up we played him in this game and we had intended to play him for like forty minutes or forty five minutes, whatever it was, small amount, and he ended up playing eighty minutes or whatever because <laughs> Richard just does that. He can't. He makes himself indispensable, and you know, yeah, it, it would have been Aiden had he not been pulled. For the second half of Savannah. Um, I so I, I have a stat that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. But first five games of the season, we scored two point eight goals per game. That includes one against Birmingham and one against Flower City uh, when Nags was sitting to rest up for Birmingham. And then the final twenty two games, we threw out the Independent Cup. Average goals per game one point five two. Um, and I think some of the narrative of this season, some of the narrative is our offense with and without Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's a small sample size, to be clear. Five games yeah. is not fair, but, like, there's something there, right? He had a different mentality when he came in this year. He was he was really on his game. He was really focused about doing his thing. And, yeah, I mean, Taylor's a high-level player, bottom line. Yeah. And he, you got a guy you picked out of Maryland that nobody else wanted. Yeah, he's a high, I mean, he's a high-level player. I have a lot of, a lot of respect for Taylor, a lot of... Um, belief in him that I mean I don't even think he's kind of touched where he could where he could actually take his level to how did you know because you picked him out when no one else did because well, Maryland cut him yeah which is the most insane <laughs> he was the best winger in the in the league I would say I would argue maybe maybe Darwin would have a, a shot at it too the the uh, two years or yeah last year mm-hmm. but like how did you know I watched five minutes literally we were we were like we were getting to the end of the roster, and like we we need someone that could could be a nine and a winger kind of combined. And he was like, I watched the video, and he just he was doing things that you knew that no one had shown him, and looked like he just was playing freely and expressing himself in his own personal way. And I was like, yeah, that's the guy. But I look for that in most players, and that's why it takes me so long to find players because I'm not interested in the guy that does like what everybody else can do. Nor am I interested in the guy that you can see as forced trying to be different. So those are things that and Chris and Omar and Jordan and those guys, they get frustrated like, you don't like anybody. I do. 
<laughs> they're going through tape and bringing you guys and you're like no no yeah. no yeah <laughs> i think that they you know but that's just i mean and i'll just be patient right i'll just be patient and try not to rush and sometimes get nervy because you're getting close to an eating sign of player but you have to stick with it for anyone who doesn't know, how does that process work normally? Do you see the player first? Do Chris and, and somebody else see, like, oh, Chris and Omar see the player first? Like, if, if, oh, actually, let's put it this way. If a player is getting sent to us, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, I know yeah. agents send out and players submit. How does that process normally work? And how far into the process, maybe it's the beginning, do you start seeing? Them? It just depends, right? Because we all have connections, right? So the connection might send it to, to one of us. And then we all take a look and we say, yeah, that looks good or no, no, that's not. And then, yeah, and, and so it doesn't really matter. It's whoever, right? But typically, I mean, we have a whole process, right? So we look at the data. Uh, y Scout mostly? Yeah, Y Scout mostly. We look at the data and then we, we watch games. So, like, I might, watch a, I might watch a player seven or eight times, full games, before we even, like, make a decision. And, we have conversation with every player. So we talk to every player individually. Sometimes it'll be always to always talk to the player by myself just so that the coaches can do whatever they ask, whatever questions they want without my influence. And then from there, then we make a decision, you know, then we, we, you know, we'll talk to coaches or get information from, you know, someone outside of our circles and not just the agent, obviously, but someone outside of our circles, and then we can hopefully make a decision. So it's it's a long process for us. Um, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, I think I want to go into some sporting director related questions. Uh, you're not just the head coach of the men's first team; you're the sporting director for the club. Uh, but before I do that, uh, I want to go off off script for a second. It's a week before Thanksgiving. And the Breezies have a Christmas tree up. And I need to know your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Breezy. I am ashamed. My wife will be very happy because ours is up at home. <laughs> I'm not. I am. I am celebrating our loss. Uh, my, yes. my, my wife essentially said, I said, we cannot put up the Christmas tree. You are being so, so extra. And she goes basically like. I'm not because we're going out of town around Thanksgiving. She's like, I'm not going to be free for the next couple of weeks. I want to be here to enjoy our our decorations. I'm not going to be up. And I was like, Well, over my dead body, are we putting this up? And then she was like, Well, fine, you can just you know, and basically, and I I lost that one very quickly. Yeah. So ours is up at home. They put it up this weekend. Yeah, we this put ours up uh, yesterday. Or well, Ella put it up. To be clear, I did all of the other did, things. Did you that still refuse? Putting it up. Kind of, but no. Like, first of all, she doesn't need my help or want my help. Um, <laughs> she sent me to go get the tree from uh, out of like it was in storage at like it was a little storage area at a rental property, so it was in storage there. And then she sent me to like anyway. I did all of the things while she put up the tree. I did everything else. I, I put things in storage. I moved chairs. I put things upstairs. I just did all these things. Whatever made it easier for her to actually put up the Christmas tree. Um, and that's actually when I had the the Chelsea um, Tottenham game on. <laughs> ah, no, Chelsea Man City. Sorry, Chelsea Man City. You're right. Chelsea Man City. Well, it looks really good. So Thanks, buddy. That would be – and we bought that po- – the uh, the one thing I am happy about is we bought that after Christmas last okay. year. So we got that for – I don't remember what we paid. But if it's a $500 tree, we paid $150 or whatever. Yeah. Like it's it, it's that like – and I don't remember what it was. But it's a lot less than whatever it was marked up to. Yeah. So I feel good about it. It's the first time we've opened it. I mean okay. we got it out of the package, <laughs> cut it open. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just realized that there's not a chance in hell that your wife listens to this. So I'll tell her – 
<laughs> you can tell her she's crazy for I'll, sure. I'll, I'll tell her that it looks good, and also she's a little crazy. She's a lot crazy, but you know what? What are we gonna do, right? Um, she likes Christmas. She does. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, let's talk about. You know, we didn't see. Uh, I think we saw a Hugo in one, maybe in one exhibition game this year. We saw Fabian a, a couple times uh, uh, during the season. We saw Gavin Castle once, which was, which was really really cool. Can you talk about the performance of some of the academy players that were with the squad uh, during the season and and maybe just generally about connection between the academy and, and, and the first team? Well, I mean, the the academy is really important and youth players are really important. They need to be given a chance to be in the environment. They need to be given a chance to really um, – Grow right because if they're the best players playing with youth players, and they need to they need to be pushed right, and so that's what we try to do. I mean, Fabian has the Fabian, Fabian could be a really good player. Just depends if Fabian wants to be a really good player. <laughs> so that's that's. I mean, he needs to own his his own development. That's what I tell young players: you need to own your own development. You need to own take responsibility for that because if you don't, you just can't rely on anyone else because. There's just no at the professional level. There's just no time, in a sense, to say, "Okay, we gotta motivate you to be better." There'll be other players out there that don't need motivation, so you work with those players. So, but overall, I mean, pleased with those guys. I mean, they were, you know, Fabian, Hugo. They've been here since I've been here, so which is nice to see them come through. Um, and Gavin, first time out, and uh, yeah, so and. You've got one player, youth player, that, you know, hopefully we get things done, and I think he probably could actually potentially could contribute to the team next year. Wow. Guy out of the academy? Yeah. And I, and I had also forgotten about some of the uh, some of the kind of the guest players from, from I think, SSA. That one dude with the excellent hair that was very <laughs> electric, that, electric that played, player. That got some time in a, in a couple of different matches this yeah. season. Yeah, those um, guys have been great for us. I mean, obviously, you know, they got their club season going on and they live down in Atlanta. So, you know, it makes it, um, it, makes it harder to get them in and out. But, look, there's a – I mean, obviously Atlanta is a big part of that. But there's a lot of players in this region. But Atlanta plays a big part in that because it's just such a melting pot, such an international city that there are a lot of people around and a lot of different cultures. And, and obviously what Atlanta United, Atlanta United's done to build soccer there and with U.S. soccer moving there. Yeah, yeah I it's mean, crazy. You, you're going to see even more. So I mean, U.S. soccer is practically moving here. Like, they're they're moving, you know. Yeah. Mm- not exactly in Atlanta, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Might be closer to here than it is Atlanta by the end of the day. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, where they, from what I've heard where they're going to put it, it's definitely not in Atlanta. So, I mean, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Tough to get tough to get a spot in Atlanta. <laughs> um, where uh, do you think the the academy, the CFC Academy right now is is like how how far away, I guess maybe is the question. Is it able to like, or will it be able to regularly produce? I don't know, like half dozen players that can like contribute in training every week and 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 be a part of because like that's the goal, right? To, yeah. Like every every single year, there's kind of you know four to six n- new ones re- yeah. ready to go. Like how how far away are we? I think we're a long that? ways away from that because 
to be fair, most of our players come from our partner clubs, like you know North Georgia. Um, we've we've had a couple kids, <laughs> yeah, from Rome that are in that sort of partnership program. So I think here the CFC Academy uh, is a ways away, but I think um, we are going to be moving in the right direction. And I think that is the goal is to have players come through, give them an opportunity so they have an option if they want to play pro right away, if they want to go to college. But have make them, help them, not make them because I don't believe coaches make players, assist them and help them come alongside them to give them more options that so they can go pro or they can go to college, whatever they choose to do. Yeah. Breezy. Matthew. Um, so <clears throat> coach, uh, sporting director Rod, I guess in this case, uh, <laughs> how much oversight and direction do you have or how much influence do you have on the women's side? Uh, yeah, I'm super involved. So how are you? I mean, I'm not asking you to break any news. If you choose to break news on this podcast, that's wonderful. But we were 3-2-3 three, three, um, last year. How did you feel like the overall season went? And how do you? How are you thinking about kind of next season? I know we're not there yet, but we're you know starting the ramp up. Yeah, to- yeah I think for us it is um, it's, a, it's an important part of the club, number one, uh, to have the women's program. I thought the season was a success. I mean, all things considered, where it started, you know, the first year back, and then really started the season nicely. And then part of summer leagues, you know, players leave, injuries happen, and it kind of affects things. So I think we're just looking to how do we how do we improve on that? You know, obviously you want to improve on giving the players a better – improving the experience, which I think the experience has already been good. But if you improve, improve the experience, then they recommend – they recommend the club to their friends, and hopefully their friends are on the same level or higher levels than them, so it improves the level. Um, and then, you know, we want to make sure that on the field, right, can we be better? Can we win a few more games? And that's really kind of the focus. But making sure, though, that it's done in the right way, it's not forced, it's not It's not in a way where, you know, we got to have this, we got to do it now, we got – let's let it naturally – with assistance from us making the right decisions behind the scenes to make sure that it grows long-term. Have you set any goals for next year for the women's side? Yeah, I mean, I think first off, right, we want to make sure that we win a few more games. I mean, that's you win a few more games, you make the playoffs, mm. right? That's, that's, that, will be, that will be something I think is important. Is it a must-have to make the playoffs? It's not a must-have to make the playoffs. Especially when only one team makes it right now. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a say, let's be in the conversation to make the playoffs all year. Right? That's, that thing, that's, I think that's important to, to put in the context. Put in the context. Um, Want to make sure that we continue to be a picture for other female players to see that this is a real opportunity that because we want to make sure that that they see players and they see that they're growing because that motivates those young players to say yeah I can, I can do that someday and then really have as many uh staff as coaching staff you know office staff working with having you know females working with the team i think that's real important too because 
I can go all day about Title IX. I think Title IX's taken jobs from women, but that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, I hopefully provide opportunity for more women to be seen in that environment. Cool. Awesome. Um, slightly related on the academy side, uh, not specific to women in this case, um, but I guess it could be for either side. Uh, what kind of impacts beyond men's first team do you see a, an MLS relationship um, happening, right? Um, how do you see that affecting Chattanooga Football Club on the academy and women's see, uh, sides in addition to, obviously, the men's first side, which I think we it's a little easier for us to know kind of what effects the men's side is going to have. The men's first team is going to be moving to a new professional league, but what are the other effects it will have on the academy and women's team sides? I think just, look, at the end of the day, right, look, I, I say this all the time. I mean, USL, I have a lot of respect for USL. USL has, look, I played in the league in 1990, right? So USL has been an integral part of growth of American soccer. And it, if anyone takes time to look at the history, they'll realize that league has been and hopefully will continue to be important because all the leagues should be important because they provide more jobs for office staff, more jobs for coaches, more jobs for players. And the only way we're ultimately going to compete at the international level if if those areas grow. Mm. But definitely directly toward MLS, it's a game changer. For men, women, it's a game changer. Academy, girls, boys, it's a game changer. It just really is. Because MLS right now is a very powerful entity in American sports. And they have caused other countries to take notice of what's happening at soccer in America. And having us be a part of that is... Well, that's a big deal, right? I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And obviously having a little bit of experience going back in the early days of MLS when I was at Portland, we went from USL to... MLS, and I had a little bit of a role in that, not too much. Um, but I would say that having that experience and being there in those years, being involved, I felt like it was an important next step for us, right? And to be fair, I think that in the beginning, I was thinking, okay, USL Championship, USL one you know, fit our model of what we want to do for our fans and what we want to do for the city. But once I delve deeper into looking at MLS, I thought MLS fit that mold too because we still can, as an independent club, we still can do it however we want. Mm. Because as long as they keep no age limits, we're fine. But I think if it has to be, I think if it has to be, okay, you can only be up to so up to a certain age, and I think that would that would handicap us. Beautiful, I love that. Yeah, I think we'll. I mean, we'll definitely talk more about about MLS and roster stuff a little bit later oh, yeah. in the podcast. A there are questions. a lot of there are a lot of mailbag questions. Uh, before we now, let's just go ahead and do it now. Um, our overall record in games that mattered this season was seventeen wins, nine draws, and two losses. Or and seventeen, seven, and four. I'm gonna. <laughs> Your asterisk is wrong. There's two asterisks actually. <laughs> There's one on the nine and one on the two. Uh, but Matthew wrote this show doc. Yeah, and yeah, when I do the work, I get the spoils here. So uh, nine, nine draws, two losses. 
We scored 49 goals. We gave up 16 goals. Last year on this podcast, uh, when we had you on, we scored 50 goals. Uh, and allowed 25. And including the Independent Cup. And we allowed 25. Taking uh, away the six that Atlanta scored against us because we chose to include that in the wins and losses from last year, but not in the goals we allowed because we faced no one else of any sort of comp. And then this year, of course, we went out and tied them the preseason 3-3. So <laughs> maybe we should have included it last year. Well, but, you know, if we, if we include it, like we scored from year to year the same amount of goals, basically. But we essentially gave up half. Half yeah, the if you, amount of if goals. you go to 31, yeah. Or even if you go to 25, 16 is still a massive departure. And my, my I guess my opening question here is, and, and, and Breezy asked you this midway through the season, did you really set out to build a defensive juggernaut? <laughs> um, I never set out to, def- to, to build a defensive juggernaut. But I, I am... I find myself, but I am a defensive type coach, but because of the offense, not mm. because we're going to build the structure back. But the two things that we wanted to do, we wanted to change the profile and goal, and we wanted to be better at center back. And <laughs> we clearly were better at both. <laughs> so that was, that was like the starting point, right? That was the starting point that we wanted to improve in those areas. And to be fair, we wanted more size in the back, which we got, especially when Colin was healthy, right? It gave us, yeah. it gave us a lot more size in the back. And so that was, that was things that we went out to change. And those were definitely um, – those were game changers for sure. Do you know that CFC 2023 is the best defense in terms of goals allowed per game in NISA history? Oh, wow, really? Goals per game. Well, Better than Detroit 2021? Well, that's surprising. I thought they'd lead everything in defense. <laughs> I know. They actually have the best. So I went back and th- through and, and did all this uh, in terms of purely like goals allowed average, goals scored average. Detroit's We did offense, a per game average because it's the easiest to compare. Detroit's offense in 2021 was actually the best ever in okay. the league. Uh, our 2022 was better uh, or was number two. And then our 2023 was number three. Okay. But yeah, we actually have the best. We had the best defense in the league. Well. Good. That's happy. It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good. It's a good record. Well, let's go. We're going to go on a little season review here. We'll do it quick. Um, but <clears throat> Matthew kind of titled this, and I and I think I, I agree. And I'd love to, it's a little bit of your kind of thoughts on what was going on this time of the year. So we have chapter one. Uh, we had uh, Matthew's in a wonderful uh, edit here to make it Taylor cooking gray. Um, <laughs> but you had Gold Star three nothing at Des Moines four one at Albion five zero. Uh, Flower City at home 1-0, then Birmingham 1-1 away. That's 14 goals conceded in five games. Or sorry, 14 goals scored in five games. That's 2.8 goals per game. And then two goals conceded in five games, which is only 0.4. We only conceded, by the way, in the Open Cup. We hadn't conceded a league uh, goal up into that. How were you feeling in that little period of time? Did you feel like we're, oh no, we're, you know, we're, or not, oh no, sorry. Oh my God, we're on fire? Or were you going, "Ah, this is going to... Because something you told us last year on the podcast, one of the reasons I'm asking this question is last year you, we were like, man, we were on fire during this. And it was the section where we scored a bunch of goals. And you were like, you know, we were scoring 50% of our shots. So <laughs> we weren't thinking the same way you were thinking. Like, what were you thinking during this period? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, right, I think if I kind of recollect, I think we were getting goals from a lot of different places. I don't think we were 
just getting him from one or two places. I think we're getting goals from a lot of different places. I believe yeah. Toli scored in that time on a header. Mm-hmm. Um, Mumu scored two against against yeah. Gold Star. Yeah. The only constant was Taylor Gray was involved in almost every goal. Yeah. As you pointed yeah. out earlier in the podcast, yeah. I, I went I went back and checked from from these five games. He had seven goal contributions: goal, assist, hockey assist. And that's that's penalizing him for Alex McGrath not finishing against, against Albion, <laughs> which Albion, which we got. made fun of him so many times for in person. So no one thinks we we're talking behind his back. <laughs> so were you guys pretty high during that period? Like, um, were the offenses clicking, or were you maybe a little? Because I think Matthew and I were like, "Holy moly, the offense is good." Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what we were thinking. We were just enjoying it, and just like. Um, just trying to be better, trying to trying to do more. Because we came into the season, I think we came into the season, we wanted to dominate everything. Mm. Everything about the league. Every every whatever category, whatever you want to think of, we wanted to do. And that was just like there was that so I think from that perspective, I think we were really just was focused and tuned in, tuned in. But also we had a very good preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I mean, we played Birmingham, we played Atlanta, we played Memphis, we played Knoxville, we played Huntsville, right? Yeah. You know, I think we had one game in preseason that I would say we came into the game thinking we should have won and we lost it, I think, that college team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, that was um, that was really, like, important. And I think that had a lot to do with how we started the season. And but in terms of scoring goals, yeah, I mean that was that was great stuff, and it's really easy to think that it won't stop. But you know it did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so we, we the last game in this in this chapter is is at Birmingham, and it's the game where where Taylor gets hurt, um, and and you know is not available again until the very very end of the season. Uh, so we move into into chapter two, and we titled this "Learning to Grind." Because it's it's Michigan nil nil on the road right after the Birmingham Open yeah. Cup game, um, it's Savannah one one, uh, Flower City one nil that no one saw, uh, Albion two zero at home, and then the the two games uh, with Maryland back to back one nil at home and then the two one away, and this was a really interesting period because we scored eight goals in six games, which is a one point three three average. We only conceded two. Uh, which is nice, 0.33. Uh, and we won uh, we, we won four of these games we lost, or we didn't lose any, and then we drew two. Yeah. Um, which is, like, on the bounce, incredibly good. Like, that's what you want. Yeah. Um, but they felt really grindy. Yeah, I mean, like, the offense was, was pretty much ground to a halt, uh, absent, like, some moments of magic. Or, and absent the Maryland game, where, yeah. where, we were, where we went in and imposed our will for 10 minutes and just... Yeah, completely just took them to town, and then other but the rest of this is like, you know, a- absent like you know a moment of magic on the on yeah. on on the offensive side. Like we're talking about like you know five draws or something like yeah. that. What what was that period like? Obviously, we're we're dealing with you know figuring out how to create without Taylor. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, that was. I mean, look, when Taylor went down and couldn't play, I said that was going to be a problem. A lot of other people didn't say so, but I felt that was going to be a problem just because he was contributing. And yeah, he was he was over, you know, he was he was probably playing at a level that he was playing a level we never that we had never personally seen. Uh and so it felt like maybe he was overachieving a little bit. But 
always said, well, take the overachieving as long as you can. <laughs> so yeah. that's just like that's just like what it is, right? But that was just part of the the growth of the team in the sense of there's a lot of those games in the previous year we wouldn't have won. Mm, for sure. Um, and even the Maryland game, we wouldn't have done what we did in the Maryland game in that 10 minutes. Um, and I remember that game specifically totally coming off the field and says, people think they can beat us, but they can't. You know, and we're not, we're just not going to give in. And so that, that 2-1 went up there. That is just, that was, that really made us for the end of the season. Because when I saw the schedule and what our back end of the schedule looked like with all the travel, the number one goal was to just amass as many points as we could, knowing that come to the end of the back end of the schedule, it was going to balance out. Because it's just no way, I mean, without the Club de Leon game being canceled because of COVID, we would have, that would have been a really tough run. Mm -hmm. And it still was a tough run. Being on the road, I mean, we were like, I know I'm jumping ahead, but mm -hmm. we were like travel, especially when we took the sleeper bus. I mean, we were back on Sundays or Monday mornings, depending on when the game was. You're off on Tuesday. You're training Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday. You're back, you're back traveling again on Thursday. Yeah. And we did that for three or four weeks. And that was, that was really difficult. But that, that midsection prepared us for that. So Matthew has the next one here titled Peaking. And I think the offense did kind of come back to form here. You know, we had Club de Leon 1-1. Um, which was a disappointing result, but then three nothing LA Force, two nothing Michigan Star. Screw you, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> at Maryland Bobcats, one one. Then Gold Star, two one. Then Savannah, five nothing. So like, it it wasn't all like rose petals and yeah. and, and chocolates, but it was it, it was it, good. It was also like you know the the LA and Michigan games like those were complete performances, complete perfor at least from our mostly point of view. mostly complete performances. Um, you know the the Gold Star away game, it, we won two one on. You know, an Olympico and, and another corner kick, yeah. but we created about yeah, we had so 10, many yeah. ten thousand chances. Yeah, that that game was that was that game was Jesus really finding his rhythm and just missing that last little bit. But he was he was really on the game, and you know, if if things would have gone a little bit better for him, I mean, that game would have been you know, give him their penalty, give him that, but it would it could have been three or four. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and then like you know, he comes out. This is like soccer is a weird sport, right? Like he comes out first three minutes against Savannah and immediately yeah. does like a little bit of magic and scores a goal. And that's yeah. just soccer is a, a funny <laughs> game sometimes. But like we were we were playing and I, I, I use the word peaking and I don't believe that you can have only one peak in a season. Right. Uh, like I believe in a midseason peak and then yeah. other teams, you know, adjust and figure things out and you have to 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 grow again towards the end of the season. But like this was a really good period. Not just in terms of the grind, but like we were creating chances against Michigan. We were creating chances against something we hadn't done a yeah, lot of the against, season before. against LA, and still allowing nothing throughout this whole season. We just continue to allow nothing. Yeah, like right. going and sometimes going entire games where you allow one or two shots on target the entire game. Yeah, I think I think our expected goals for the season was like point five. On average, yeah, on average, I think overall for the whole season it was only point five. I mean, that's exactly what the against, our actual yeah. goals against yeah. was too. Yeah. So very good. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have the lull of Matt calls us the lull of four matches. We actually struggled with what to call this, but like the lull of four matches in eight weeks because it was, it was eight weeks and the schedule started getting weird and we had all the travel, 
but also you had all the postponements and this, that, and the other. And so, and we played some friendlies in there, but we only, we scored four goals in four games and we conceded three in four games, which I know three in four games is actually decent, but yeah. for us, that was bad. That yeah. was our worst stretch of the season. Yeah. Um, and you know, we zero, zero, we lost three, one, uh, or sorry, we won three, one lost one, two, and then drew zero, zero in a game that we were lucky to get out of winning <laughs> yeah, yeah. in, um, San Diego. That, I would blame that one on travel a lot. But then, and I'll just skip right through that one because I don't think there's a lot to talk about unless you really want to talk about that one. We go into this period of time where at least Matthew and I are like, holy crap, are we going to get it back? Because we've yeah. got one, two, three, four, five games left. Because yeah. we, we had Savannah canceled or postponed for COVID. We had the Club de Leon situation, which I will not, I will, I, I will just not even bother asking you a question on the record. <laughs> <laughs> and, we had, and so like we came, we came back. I mean, it's it's four games in eight weeks. We come back with with, with Gold Star. And I know, I know the guys, you know, had, had, <laughs> had some struggles with, 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 with COVID and like practicing regularly yeah. and, and some stuff like that. So you know, like, how do you, how do you like reform, reform a team that just had its first loss and, and then a game where it was the first time it was not the better team. Yeah. And then you get a, like a three week layoff Yeah, and you don't practice a little bit. And oh, by the way, here's our last game of the, of the. Here's our last home game of the season, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that period like? Those last, those last five from Gold Star, Savannah, Flower City, Savannah, Club de Leon, leading into the playoffs. I mean, you got to throw like the COVID situation in there because we were nervous about that, right? Because first we thought it was just going to be like one guy, two, and then every like 24 to 48 hours, somebody else, somebody else. So then we just said we got to shut it down. So we literally shut it down for five days. We didn't. We were all apart. I mean, you saw me walking a lot mm-hmm. because I wasn't even going to the office. I never got COVID, but I was like, I'm just going to stay away from everybody because yeah. Chris and Omar got it. And so um, I was like, yeah, because we were like thinking we were going to make a trip, and it was going to be me and Jordan on the trip. So because that's how it, that's how that's how serious it was. I would say probably half the team. Yeah, probably half the team was was had COVID. And so we're like, okay. And then we had to ease back in the training. And then we put all the protocols in the place. Like we weren't even like, they can only change in the locker room and come outside. And the the weather was starting to change. It Mm -hmm. was cold. And so we're going through all of this stuff, right? So we were, I mean, you you go in the locker room, you get changed and you're out. It had to be one at a time in the training room with mail. You know, that was, that was all. We did that for, gosh, probably 10 days. Wow. Yeah, so, so it really threw off the rhythm a yeah, lot. Yeah, it really threw off the rhythm, right? And as soon as someone sneezed, go get a COVID test, right? Because we just, we all we all were nervous, right? We were just yeah. nervous and we're like, this has got to be out of us before the playoffs start. And that was really, it's the focus with that, right? It was, it's got to be, got to be, if anyone's feeling bad, don't come. I mean, it was like, even if you wake up, oh, I got a little bit of, nope, see ya. Just, that's, <laughs> that's what it was, right? It was like, we did that probably for 10 days. Yeah. And then you've got to go play a game against Gold Star, and yeah, and where you like the team looked like. I mean, I think everyone like watched that, watched that game, and we're just like, Have these guys talked to me. You know, no one's on the same page. Like, yeah. it's a little bit lethargic. And I would imagine a lot of guys who had just had COVID, their lungs were not feeling great running around <laughs> yeah. on a soccer field. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it was that was a, that was a tough time because. We were also very close to the whole MLS thing, yeah. Right? 
So that kind of threw a wrench into things in terms of just like refocusing because this whole time, right, living in a, living in parallel worlds, right, on the inside we knew what was coming and we're still trying to finish off this season. Right. And then we get a wrench with the COVID thing and then we're not playing as great as, as well as we would like to. So you got all these things going on and <laughs> all at one time. So it was was not easy. And we're back. So I want to ask you basically a question that we got from a lot of different people. And I think you just explained it, but I want to give you an opportunity to address it in case there's something else um, or something different. It says, what do you consider the biggest factor in the downturn in results uh, during the kind of the final third of the season? I mean, I think it, I don't think it's one thing. I think it was a lot of things. I think it was the the travel. I think the fact that we had to deal with COVID. I think the fact that um, one of the most difficult things to do in sport is to be in front and stay in front. Mm. Um, and that I think that's really I think that's because you don't have you don't what do you what do you have tangible that you're reaching for besides okay if you're in second place and you're three points apart okay if we win this game they lose there are things that you can grasp on whereas for us it got to the point okay when we're going to clinch when we're going to win the season when we're going to win the season mm. we wanted we wanted that to be done and so that's that was the thing that we were chasing but i think i think it was a i think it was a com i think it was just a combination of things right a lot of guys that were playing were banged up. Yeah. Because, you know, at that time Taylor wasn't back. Ethan was just coming back. Allie was just coming back. Um, Colin had been in and he was out. So we didn't have a lot of depth. People think it's funny, people say, Well, you, we have the deepest team in the in the league. We have a lot of bodies, <laughs> but we don't necessarily have the deepest team in the league. Um and um, pe- people argue that, but that's just the reality. We didn't. So um, we really, I think it's just a combination of factors. With, um, on, on this podcast, specifically our, on our season review, uh, I think I took a stab at, at that kind of question. And I, we don't have, we don't have the data, like, right. You know, Y Scout exists for you guys and, and not, and there's no public facing data for NISA. Um, which we do get next year, which will be a lot more fun for yeah. for the two of us. Um, if we can get someone to give us a Y Scout login, oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if the podcast can uh, pay for uh, a Y Scout login, Matthew. <laughs> but one of the things that 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 struck me is, and I in in comparing uh, the the last part of the season, you know, Gold Start until the, the playoff semifinal. Well, I, let the, the semifinal stay aside. Gold Start to, to Club de Leon, and an earlier part of the season where we were winning games like that, that four wins, two draw stretch right after Taylor's injury, where we still got results done. I, like, it, it struck me that it's possible in the data that we were finishing a, a little bit hot. Um, like we were, we were finishing some chances that over the course of those games, maybe didn't bear out in the XG. Yeah. And, 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 and maybe for other factors, like our finishing, like cooled off a little bit. Or, or just our general like creation cooled off a little bit in general um, towards the end, and so like I'm, I'm wondering like did that did, is that what the data showed, or is it maybe more complicated than how I'm simplifying? I mean, to simplify, we weren't creating as many chances, and we needed to score. We needed we needed to to create more chances. We weren't creating enough chances, um, and also to the 
the real factor of when you play in a small league, uh, other teams have time to figure things out, right? And so when you're playing a team three, four, five times a year, those teams are are a little bit more prepared. And by the by that by the point that we got to that when we had the downturn is every single game was the final for the for the opponent. Yeah. They they wanted to to win. They wanted to knock us off. I mean, just hearing the celebration of LA Force <laughs> when they won in the locker room was just Oh uh, yeah, anyway. Um <laughs> but I remember sometime when we beat Detroit, we had the same we had the same reaction. Yeah. Right? We it was just it was the year for us. Right. Mm. I mean, it was the year for us. And I can't say it was a year for LA Force. But it sure was a big deal, and I don't blame them. We would have, if the tables were turned. I mean, we were. That was the our yeah. first loss in a yeah. competitive match of the season. Like I yeah. get it. So, but I think I think all of it. I think really, it was it was just different. Like even when teams, as we know in the league, struggling off the field and all those things, they figure out how to get it right for our game. Yeah, and that was, but that was a good challenge for us, and which was which was really important. Do you? I mean, like it, it's it's early in the process, both in roster building and in really familiarity with what what happens next for us next year uh, in MLS Next Pro. Do you do you see it being a little bit more of like a neutral case uh, in terms of teams preparing for us, or like because a lot of these guys are going to be on on two teams? There's only one other independent next year. Right? Is it going to be like when you go to Chattanooga and you experience fans? That you don't always get. Like, there's some fans in MLS Next Pro like, yeah. that go to the games or whatever. But like, this will be, this will be like the the marquee away game. That's the hope, right? That's the hope. So, that it, we will is be. it going to be kind of a similar challenge? You think? What? Well, or it would just be different because the the goals are different. I don't know, right? It's hard to say because we have to be honest, right? Um, and this is not a knock against Nisa, but players opposing leagues don't really rate the league. And to be fair, I didn't. When I went to Stumptown, I didn't know much about the league, you know. Besides, it's a league. And when I was there, and I saw the level of play and the individuals, especially at that time, because Detroit was still in, and yeah, who else was in? But there were other Cal was in. Yeah. So the level of player was really high. So I think the league, because of the issues that it has off the field, that taints the fact that there are good players in the league. So I don't know how much that will affect teams looking at well, this teams just. Anisa team. They bring back eleven guys yeah. from the Anisa team, like right, whatever. yeah, yeah. So I'm just not sure what they will do. And plus, at the end of the day, MLS is MLS, right? And they believe they're the best. Yeah. So and that's that's fine. I mean, and we're going to be there. So that's that's, <laughs> that's good for us. You talked about just now, and before we get back to our season grades, I know Matthew's going to do, but. Nisa play Matthew and I had this argument this week, and you can refrain from answering if you don't like it. But how <laughs> how many? Are, I guess I'll ask you two, a two-part question. And again, you can refrain from answering either one because you may not you may not want to answer it. But are there any players in NISA that aren't that weren't on Chattanooga Football Club last year that we're looking at for MLS Next Pro? That's the first part of the question. And the second part is, what would you put the over-under on? And this is just a random thought, but over-under on players that will make it from NISA if NISA dies. Maybe NISA doesn't die. Maybe NISA survives, in which case I think it probably lowers. But 
some some players are going to make it in MLS next pro. I would assume out of Nisa. How many do you think there are? Is it five? Is it ten? Is it three? Is it one? Like outside of Chattanooga. I mean, it's hard to say, right? Because I don't see the players enough, and um, for for me. So go back to the scouting part. So when we're looking at players, something that we look at is the soccer education, where they've been, who's their coach, what kind of style. All these things matter to us when we're looking at the player, right? Because what we don't want is someone's come with a very poor soccer education who have been playing with teams all their lives that are polar opposite to what we are. doesn't mean they can't change, but there's also a time, right? For us, at the is time, right? It can't can't take them six months, you know. They it really, when we get out of preseason, they got to be they got to be on par at least, right? And then through the season, grow. So it's hard to say how many will make it, um, but the reality to making it to a higher league is your consistency. What are you willing to sacrifice? Do you really want to be a pro? Is the Nisa style of pro enough for you? Like, okay, yeah, we play 24 games and there's some uncertainty in certain things. And, you know, I don't always have to be on my game. And no player's going to say that. Right. But the reality is those are the realities that you have to really want to make. And you have to ask, what am I willing to sacrifice? How long am I willing to do it for? And if I get turned down a million times, will I go for that million and one, one time to give it another shot? And nobody has the answer to that. But I, th- I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think there's players in the league. But are there players in the league that really want to be pro? That really, I watched a video last night of Kobe Bryant, and he was talking about all the way back to high school. Like, he realized that the players that he was playing against weren't up at 5 in the morning. And at 5 in the morning in high school, if the coach wasn't available, he was playing in the gym with the janitor. This is high school. Then he said he realized when he got to be a pro that some of the guys basically would still be out at 5 a.m., but he'd be in the gym. So over the course of time, he just began to separate himself. And that's going to take the commitment to get to that level because – MLX Pro, right? They have the whole world at their disposal. So if player playing right back in NISA, so now you're competing against right back in USO Championship, right back in MLS Pro, right back in USO 1, right back in MLS, right back in college, right back in Spain, da 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 So they have it at their disposal. If they decide they want to spend the money, they can spend the money. So that's just the road. So what are you willing to do to make sure you get there. And it's consistency in your work and your preparation. I hope, uh, I hope there's somebody out there listening that's, uh, <laughs> that is uh, a young player because I feel like that's like the exact uh, roadmap. Matthew, take us through season grades. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we've done this now. Uh, we went through some of your principles and, and how you want your teams to play, both when you, when you were first hired and then we kind of like relitigated a little bit last year at the end of the season. So I'm just going to remind listeners. And feel free to change any of these if you feel like they're Yeah, if, you've, they're update, if or... you've updated your website, we did not update the show doc. Uh, like play consistently in the reactionary period. 
when you lose the ball, how quickly can you win it back? How quickly can you put the other team under pressure after you win it back? We want to be ball dominant, backbreaking, and relentless. Never give the other team hope. Never let them think they have a chance to play. Uh, and then general principles are being proactive, attack-minded, defensively organized, and dominant on both sides of the ball. And uh, last year, we, we came up with some categories uh, based on those principles to kind of grade, like you grade kind of yourself and, and, and the group that we put together uh, in terms of possession, both offensive and defensive, chance creation, uh, both offensive and defensive, set pieces, transition, and then just general like dominance, the killing hope. Uh, and I want to do it again. Perfect. <laughs> so this season, uh, offensive possession. And, and like we, maybe we can start with a just general possession and then do a defensive category. Uh, and we'll let you define this how you want to. But possession. B minus. Okay. I just, yeah, I just, I don't think we were quite there. I don't think we, I don't think we were quite there. But there's a lot of, a lot of factors in there from the perspective of kind of the type of player. We changed our profile of players a little bit, but. What we started playing actual defenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're better at defending, but not always as good on the ball. Do you think, so I, I, I'm remembering, I, I went back and listened to, we both listened yeah. to your interview last year. And one of the things you said was our passing accuracy was 85%, I think, last year. And you wanted it to become 90% because that that one little change probably got us an extra an extra shot and it got the, the, other, the opposition one less shot as well. And I'm curious if you remember what our what our passing accuracy was for the season. I don't remember, um, but I'm not sure it'll be as high as it was last year. Okay, I'm not sure again because we just did it a little bit different. Yeah, and we had different players. I mean, we definitely went long more often this season. Like, I think everyone everyone that remembers the season like knows that like occasionally we just put it in behind. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like guys run. Yeah. Well, and I think something that, that you said last year was what we were what we were most concerned about is that we didn't have to defend for long periods of time. Yeah. And and then you made the joke we're not playing any defenders. We're playing one defender and three midfielders. Yeah. And in defense. And like it was it's obviously there's a there's a shred of truth to that joke. Like, you know, we we the guys obviously we kept the ball really well last year. But sometimes we had to keep the ball well so that <laughs> yeah. they couldn't have the ball so that you know, and I feel like maybe this year you just gave us a B minus, but I feel like May, we were a little more balanced, at least offensive versus defensive. Not possession-wise, maybe, but like last year I felt like we were a really good offensive team or even a good offensive team and kind of an average defensive team. Yeah, no no doubt, because last year toward the end of the season where we were up easy goals, I was concerned going into the playoffs about that. But this year I was never once concerned about giving up goals. I mean, obviously I have Tolly there. That's, you know, Aiden was fantastic. JP was did a great job all year, so had some consistency there, which was good. But yeah, I, I, I that was not a worry. Yeah, this is a very different, like very different team. Yeah, and and we talk about it on this podcast, and I think you agree with this. Like personnel is policy. Like those are choices that we made. Yeah, <clears throat> trade offs that we made because it would help us achieve, give us the the best chance of achieving. And and what we could. you know going forward, I mean, we're changing the profile a little bit in some areas. 
we want to be a little bit more athletic um, because the league is more athletic. Right. So we want to add some things that will make us a little bit more unpredictable. And we believe that if it's athleticism with speed or athleticism with size. So, and I, and I, I, I told Chris and Omar, and I said, this hurts my heart to say that, but we got to look at athleticism, and I hate to look at that. I mean, that, <laughs> that's, that's, an, that's antithetical to Rod Ball, <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I'm like, no, I just want, but we're looking at it, but it, we want to make sure that it ties into our technique insight. And then. You still have to be able to play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a non starter is technique. So it doesn't matter what a player has. If it doesn't have technique, it's not even a conversation. So that's like still paramount. But yeah, we're, we're going to tweak some things a little bit. There, there, we had a listener question specifically. Uh, I think that person went back through and listened. I think it was Jim Hicks. Uh, went back through and listened and, and asked specifically about like player profiles. Like, do you want to... Aside from maybe athleticism. I can read it to you right now. Okay. Uh, you talked last se- last offseason, this is Jim Hicks, about changing the profile of certain player positions, especially in defense and, and goalkeeper. You've already mentioned this one. In order to get better at those positions, in order to be competitive in this new league, uh, in being MLS Next Pro, what has changed in some of the player profiles we are using this offseason? So he's wondering any specifics you're willing to share on how you want. Yeah, I, th- I think for us is... The athleticism is is important. It's not a it's not a deciding factor by no means, but it, it needs to be part of our, our scouting process. So that's maybe more so than it used to be. Yeah, maybe more so than it used to be. But you know, at least I can take solace in the fact that Pep Goyle has said the same thing. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. Pep's also started playing Rod four center backs across the back line. Don't put it past me. <laughs> well, you, play, you played three. Okay, so so you and Chris told me uh, both of you made fun of me because I was like, you're playing a midfielder um, in Colin Stripling in, in center back last year, and and Chris was like, seems like a pretty good center back, huh? Basically, like you know, basically making fun of me, saying he's not really a midfielder anymore, um, and. Pretty clearly, like we played, th- I shouldn't say pretty clearly. I would argue we played th- four center backs uh, in our offense. JP's not a center back, but Richard is a converted center back. But JP, when he was in Mexico, played center back. Okay, okay. <laughs> I did not know that. I did so even more so. So uh, yeah, I would I would argue that like it wouldn't it's be just, as big a change just, for you than maybe people would think. Yes, because you, what you care about, and I think what Pep and correct me if you think this is wrong, but what, and what Pep cares about. It, is technical ability. John Stones playing center back or playing attacking midfielder or some combo of the two things at the same time is different than, I don't know, whoever is playing in random Italian Serie A game who can't pass a ball, can only defend. Like, it's a whole different... Yeah, no, it's it's for us every... what what. So when we talk about adding, tweaking that profile, all we're, all we're, all we're talking about is the nuance because the nuance of being a hybrid player, because mm. that's what we look for. We look for hybrid players. We're not looking outside of goalkeeper and probably that's about it. Yeah. That is, would not be a hybrid player that they could do multiple jobs in a game for extended periods of time. I don't know. I had a training session with John Burke this morning. He's starting to strike a ball pretty well, coach. He's not working that left foot a little bit, but he's, uh, he's going to be competing for those striker minutes in late in games. Uh, can Just you, kidding. Can you imagine, though? I was making fun of him this morning. Um, I was telling him he to work on his left foot so he could. What about defensive possession? 
taking taking possession away from the opposition. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I, I thought we we used def- we used the ball in sort of a rest defense. We did that. We did that more sometimes. We had no plans to go anywhere. Um, but the we, horseshoe. But, yeah, but sometimes though, we changed a little bit. We were trying to we were trying to make the opponent come and press us, mm-hmm. so that we would have more more space to play. Is that different this year? Yeah, way different than this year. Because I felt like it was. Yeah, it was way different this year, and and obviously that comes from making. Because like I said early on, like I watch games. I really watch games. Not not worried about the score. I want to know the score before I watch the game. Right. Because I want I want to see the trends of what's important in the game that the teams that are winning consistently at a high rate, and then figure out how to incorporate those into what we do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about winning at our level. So. Whatever tweaks we need to make to win, that's what we want to do. So I'm gonna take a little side tangent. Well, first of all, what would, so what would you give the grade on that? On our our defensive possession or using possession to not score, but to keep the other team from having the ball. I would say B plus because toward the end of the season, we really we really were focusing on that, knowing that we were won the league, we're in the playoffs, and we knew we might need it in the playoffs. So yeah. we we spit we actually made that we were intentional about that especially toward the, the latter half of the season. Um, side note, tangent here, because you mentioned something that both Matt and I want to talk about. Uh, talk to me about the press and how you think about pressing. Um, it's like specifically like winning the ball back as fast as possible so you can have the ball again. Well, you guys know how important I think possession is. It's, it's kind of one and one A. That's how close they are. So I think it's, I think it's vital. Um, I don't think it was great this year. I think at the beginning of the season it was really good. But as the season went on, be fair to the teams. They started doing some some unorthodox things that what what overload us in certain overload us in certain areas that made it difficult to press. We had to be a little bit more passive, yeah, and and just wait for them to come to yeah. us. Yeah, and we're gonna fix that though, because I don't want to be passive. <laughs> if there's anything we know, and that using your words, I I think you. I'm gonna try to try to quote you. You said. Uh, even if I didn't think this was the best way to win, it's about control for me, yes. and I'm not letting anything out of my control. So right. even if I didn't think it was the best way to win, it would be the way I want to win. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so con- you're going to control. You're going to yeah. control. So a letter grade for for our the press. Yeah, I'd probably say C plus. Okay, let's move to chance creation. Uh, us creating chances. I mean, considering that our expected goals for the season is only 1.5 or so, and we want to be at least 2 or 2.5, and, you know, we look at all the data, like we need, you know, we're talking 10, you know, you know, our attacking, our final third entries were on par, were really good, but box entries were low, which leads to low shot creation. Lower than if, if we're getting in the final third 70 times a game, Mm-hmm. We got to be in the box at least twenty-five. Yeah, and sometimes we weren't. So and then, and then we need around you know ten shots inside the box. You, yeah, I think you said last year on the podcast nine shots inside the box and, and two it, point, and, and it could update and two and a quarter xg is what you yeah, wanted per game. But like for, last yeah. year we were at even then we were at six or seven. Yeah. Where do you do you know where we were roughly this year? 
I don't know, but Chris does. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna have to have him on this podcast <laughs> yeah. and grill. We're yeah. gonna go back and listen to this, grill and, him, and, and, and do all the things. Send him a list. But these are all the things we want to know, yeah. Chris. Yeah, he 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 knows because we were looking at spreadsheets today. He got spreadsheets galore. <laughs> Side note: uh, You said we were at one point five, uh, one point five xg yeah. on average per in game. The season. That that's literally our basically our goal output okay. as well. Okay, so it's pretty, ni- pretty close. It's honestly nice not to come in under. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. you generate. I mean, you never want to come in under. But like sometimes you generate like, uh, I mean, not just the final. Take out the final even. Sometimes you generate like over a season, and you have a finishing. You have a bet, or your time at Stumptown, where you have a converted right back playing striker, and like <laughs> it's hard for that guy to get shots at the rate a striker would get, right? Yeah. Like, I guess yeah. that was your yeah. That was yeah. the second part with Travis Ward playing, yeah, Travis, playing striker, yeah. mm-hmm. like. You're, when you're four goals under on the year, yeah. where you want to be, it's not all Travis's fault. Like no. he's doing a job, right? But yeah. that's not the ideal thing. So I, I think there's a positive to coming in even with your expected goals. Yeah, I think so, right? I think so. But you know, I think for for us, because there's a thing with data, right? I, I mean, obviously, we're clearly a club that embraces data. Um, data shows the patterns and the and the things that we that we think are going to make us successful but then we also we also need to recognize their guys that just make your team better that don't fit into the statistical categories or the data categories they have something that's intangible that makes your team better that will perhaps affect that expected goals or expect that expected goals against that they never show up in any data or any stats right so to not come under, but we but we were always worried that it was it was too low, mm. and we were going to get in a one off, and that was going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. But saying that, we got into a one off, and it wasn't a problem. It was just the ball didn't bounce. The ball didn't go in. <laughs> like two inches either yeah. way. We're talking about like two a inches, four, a four or a six nil game. Matthew, yeah. two inches cumulative, a yeah. half inch for each of the four sure. at the bar, and yeah. And, because uh, because when you look at that game, right. Those plays fell to the guys that you would want them to, f- to fall to. So that's even like more to say, yeah, we did all the right things and it just wasn't our day, but we have to make it our day. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we've got we've to figure that out and make it our day. So we, uh, this is an anonymous question. They, the person did not sign there, but it said, we know CFC prioritizes data, which we're talking about right now. How common is that in lower division soccer today, especially in the U.S.? You know, I don't know what everybody else does. I just, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what they do because we just do our thing. But um, I think I shared before in the podcast. I got into data like in 2010, just using a, a pad, and, a, and a, I was watching Champions League with Barca and um, Celtic, I think. I think that's when it was. So this is mm-hmm. a lot of years ago, and I had a <laughs> pad. I had a piece of paper and a pad, but I was only tracking like quadrants, right? Yeah, I was only. So you, you mentioned this in the last yeah, pod. I was only tracking like how many times teams players took one touch, two touch, or more than two touch. And then I started tracking what we call the box cross. So that that space between um, that space between the corner of the box and the six yard box those became like we started to see that's where most of the goals were or the high level chances were coming from Mm -hmm. and so then that evolved and evolved and evolved and then chris just blew it out of the water so you know we really like 
we really believe in it. We really do it. We use it for scouting. Is it the be all end all? No. But is it important for us? Yes. And I don't know what, like I said, I don't know. I have seen, like, I know some, some of the, I know Savannah, they use GPS like we do. So that was nice to see they were doing that. And to be fair, most of the other teams in our league probably just can't afford it because it costs money. Yeah. You know, to be on Scott, it's not cheap. Uh, to use GPS is not cheap. So, you know, we're, we're thankful to the club for investing in that because that's, that's really made a difference for us. Thank you. Perfect. So back to chance creation. Do you, what would you give us a, a grade? I know you said 1.5 is lower than you want to be. What letter grade does that? Probably C. How about limiting chances oh. on the defensive side? <laughs> well, that's an A. That's pretty good this year. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were at that 0.5, right at that 0.5. It was a yeah. 0.52, I think, or yeah. 0.49. What were we? Do you remember uh, what it was for the season? 16 goals. <clears throat> uh, or I, if you just take the league, it's 12 goals in, in 24 games. So... Uh, and that's point five on the money. And then when you then when you analyze the goals, right? And oh, you said, we did. Yeah, and you look at the goals, right? How many goals were really earned, right? How many goals that wasn't caused by us? Four, three, yeah. four. Yeah. So that's like really when you and I did the math, it was three or four. Yeah. I I mean like I'm I'm giving Manny Gonzalez the banger. Savannah, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, giving yeah. Savannah the goal, the the first goal they scored. It was a nice, it was a nice on score. the yeah. on the road. Yeah. yeah, I'm annoyed that like we kind of switched off and and like let them get too deep. Yeah, but, but it's good. It's good. The LA goal that they was tied it, yeah, us on. That was a good goal. Yeah, first good goal of the year. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, is that it? That might yeah. be it. It's a question if if you count Maryland <laughs> away in the game we came back in, do you count that one as a good goal or a mistake? Or was a, that the one a, a that foul. Uh, was that the one that uh, Colin Colin and Colin John gets, got like pushed Colin together? Gets and, fouled yeah, and I wouldn't like, give that a good goal. Okay. Yeah. So then it's three so out it's of three. out of sixteen. Yeah. That we either had individual errors or something that we caused that we should. Uh, well, if you're going to sixteen, then you've got I. Oh, say, no, you it, mean twelve? Yeah, you think three 12? out of three out of twelve. Let's not worry about the independent cup or the uh, deal. the open cup. Yeah. Deal. Which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. I would, I would, uh, and and no offense, coach. You can tell me if you feel differently, but I would, I would caution listeners not to think that was going to be a repeatable possibility at any league. Anything's possible. Okay, let's, I let's love go. it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> let's move on to uh, <clears throat> offensive set pieces. This includes being able to draw penalties, taking the penalties, direct free kicks, uh, activity, corners, activity around. Like not just shooting on goal. Long throws, new corners. thing, new thing for uh, our I'm a, coach team that I've seen. Long throws. I'm a long throw kind of guy, and I knew I knew that the season was different for you. The when, first time it happened when you, when you sit Aiden Ford for a long throw, <laughs> like kind of early in the season. I was like, yes, let's, he, let's do this. He grabbed him by the collar with both hands, and he went long throw, <laughs> <laughs> and he shook me. So, how would you give? What kind of grade would you give to our overall? Uh, set pieces on offensively. I thought they started good. I think we went to a, through a lull, right? Um, For sure. We went through a lull because, again, right, small league, teams watch. Teams figured it out. Teams figured it out. So we – and then when they really started figuring it out, we're in that place where we didn't have time to train. So we usually dedicate a day – you know, we dedicate time – for set pieces, and we wanted to know we wanted to implement some new ones, but we just didn't have the time to implement some new ones. And um, so I think that affected it. But I, I'm pleased with the set pieces overall. I mean, I, the creativity, the uh, either 
creating an opportunity to score or keeping the ball. I think both those were both those were good because what we recognize is that like by the data, people get fooled that corner corners are goal scoring opportunities. They're not. The data doesn't the data doesn't show that. So there's just certain things that we just kind of simply rely on the data, right? Now if we had five guys that were six foot five, <laughs> that'd be a different story, right? I was gonna say we scored eight corners and we earned a, an additional PK. Yeah. From well, a, from a corner this eight year. Eight goals on set piece. So we when we classify no, that's, stuff, that's corners alone. Direct up that, that is corners alone. But my point is short and long. When we when we used corners, like if it if it recycled off of a corner, but the center backs were still up, we considered that still a corner. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because you now once the center, that was our own like when a center back can't when the center backs leave, it's no longer a corner, even if you're still playing with it. Right. Yeah. But if the center backs are still up, we considered even if it was on a recycle, we considered yeah. that a corner. Yeah. Just so you know how we classified I mean, that. We scored 13 set pieces this year, including yeah. direct free kicks. I mean, and not including penalties. I mean, 13 out of 49 goals. That's a good percentage. Yeah. 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 So what? what so probably and what, what grade B would you give it? A, a minus. Or would you take it? I'll be nice to Chris. I'll give him an A because he would. He, he, he loves set pieces. If we gave him the whole week, he'd do them all week. So I'm going to be nice to Chris and give him an A. Chris, you get, th- you get this hour at the end of practice. All right. This is going to be an A with an asterisk, just letting you know. <laughs> what about defensive set pieces? Because outside of penalties, which. Yeah, we were we were good. I mean. I don't think we gave up yeah. a single one. Yeah, we we were good. I mean. Look, Something so, that you said we needed to get better on yeah, last year. Yeah, I mean, it's just the truth, right? Aiden's a smart defender, but he's really good in the air for his size. And when Colin was on, I mean, he just gives more size. Rich is dominant and obviously Tully. Um, <laughs> yeah. sa- we should call him the salmon. You just come out of the just out of the mess of people about a foot above everyone else. And Alex is beyond his... Um, Alex is beyond his level for his size. Um, and something I was pleased like with Luis this year, because at Stumptown, the guy wouldn't jump and head the ball for anybody. <laughs> but now, having this year, he he was challenging for the ball. So, hey, good for Luis. <laughs> that counts. That counts. So, but really there, we added a goalkeeper that dominated his box, right? Yeah, I can't right? forget about that. John absolutely dominated his box, right? But yeah. you had, we added a goalkeeper and two center backs. But everybody else... Okay, I'm not trying to take any weight thing away from Luis, but like uh, the, the size wise, like really, it's three players that yeah. took us from probably that being, I would argue, our weakest spot defensively. It, it, it was nervy. It was nervy last year on corners. Like we didn't always yeah. concede, but I was terrified we were going to concede everyone. Yeah, they were nervy all the time. And I, we came into playing the Michigan Stars for the first time in our history playing the Michigan Stars, and I was like, I'm not worried about them. Yeah. Like I'm not saying they won't be good or they couldn't score. Sure. Yeah. But I'm not like every set piece the Michigan Stars got in the history of me watching, whether it's been you or Peter Fuller, I've been like, oh my god, they're going to score. Yeah. Because they're so big. Yeah. And so physical. Yeah. But this year we were as big and as physical as long as Collins on the field. It changed yeah. a little bit yeah. with. I mean when. When when we were at our healthiest and you had Colin, you had Tolly, you had Aiden, Jesus, even Taylor, even though he's not great in the air, but he's brave. He's not gonna not shy away from yeah. it. It's not his game, nor do I expect it to be his his game. But just those guys, I mean Taylor's what, six foot three, probably. Yeah. You know, Tully's his size, Colin's six two in that range, so I mean, he gave us a lot of size. So, and then you had Jean going up doing football yeah, moves yeah, over top of yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, but he was he 
But he, we knew that was he, coming. He made or you knew very, that was coming. He made us very, very secure. So it so when you have that security, the players that are in front of them, in front of him, just go for it. Right? Yeah. You, you you're less protecting because you know if you don't get it, you got somebody else back there that will. Yeah. I, I assume it's an A. Yeah. Transition. Offensively. I'll give it a B. Um, because what we were never built for is like to we we try to progress to the attacking half of the field very quickly. But we weren't built to be able to go end to end consistently, right? At some point in time we have to say, let's put a foot on, let's get control of the ball. Yeah. Because the reality is even the bottom teams in some areas were more athletic in terms of speed than us. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that we try to make that not a factor. So sometimes when we could have gone, we didn't go because we just didn't because it's hard to regain control. And if it comes to track meet, then we're not going to win. That's the track not our meet. game. Yeah, it's not our game. Yeah. What do you, What do you think? Go ahead. Sorry. I was a defensive transition. I thought defensive transition was good. I mean, we we found ourselves never to worry about guys getting back behind the ball. Never, never. Um, guys put the work in. Even when they were tired, they put the work in. So, yeah, it was it was good for us. So I would, I would give that a B-plus probably. We have the most rod category of all time. Um, <laughs> this is a – I mean, I think we could we could answer all, or do all of these for everybody, but this is the one literally named after you, Killing Hope, something you said on our very first uh, podcast. How do you feel like we were in Killing Hope this year? I think we did it in a different way this year. I think we did it like – how we presented ourselves, like in the warm up, how we presented ourselves uh, against the opponent in terms of prior to the game or how we were before the game, all that has an effect on the mentality. Um, I think we exuded confidence without, with being humble. And I think those things were really important. Could we killed off a few more games? But I think we did a pretty good job, and the other things made us made us kill hope a lot. It really did, right? It 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 really did, and that's that's important for professional sports because every single player at any level, of professional sports, is a good player, and every single player at the professional level thinks they're a great player. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you need if, it. If too. you don't bet on yourself, who's going to bet on you, right? So. I think to kill hope is like it's so important, and it only it might only be for ten minutes, like in the um, in the Maryland game when we came back and won that two one, but that changes the whole game. Right. So I, I felt it was good overall. I would give it probably a solid B because I think we could have been clinical in some areas and finished off the game. But see, you you, you have to go back and you look at the defensive because I, for me, I look at killing hope from the offensive side. Mm. But when you look, I can't remember the game, it was the Michigan game, where Rich put in two blocks, somebody else put a block in, I mean, and Michigan thought they were back in it. I think it came after Gene had made the, mm-hmm. the penalty save, and it's like, that's killing hope. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no way through, right? So I would definitely give it a solid B for sure. I remember uh, Aiden's goal line clearance yes. when we were up 2-0 against Albion at mm-hmm. home. Yeah. That kind of thing, because that was the best chance we've conceded all season. Yeah. In terms of, of one particular chance, yeah, and 
he was there to clear it off the line. Yeah. Mix, mix heard that little honk. <laughs> um, what about overall season grade? I'd have to only give it a B just because we didn't win. And we, we really wanted to... We, we wanted it's, to win it's, the, really, the, it's really hard, right? Yeah. Because, look, you go almost a year without losing, right, in regular season. You lead the league from start to finish. You get national and international media because you're doing what you're doing. It's kind of hard to grade it because... It's really two seasons. It's the it's the playoffs season and it's the regular season. If you said to any team, right, do you want to be dominant for 24 games? Yes, you would want to be dominant for 24 games. So I think that I would give it a B because we didn't win, because we set out to win it, right? We set out to win it. Um I, if we'd won it, I'd give it an A, obviously, because we'd do the double, right? Right. But to win the regular season is really a big deal, especially in a single-table league. Yeah. Right? Unlike, you know, when you have East and West Conference or, you know, basketball where you have the the divisions and all that. That doesn't carry the same weight, but being in a single-table league and to go from start to finish, that's tough to do. Yeah. It's really tough to do, you know. So I, I, I would give it a B, only a B because we didn't win. Here's a, an interesting, I think, wrinkle on that. What would you think was the fulfillment of our team potential versus like, so how much potential did we achieve as, as a collective group and how much was there still that's unachieved? I said there's a lot unachieved because what I will say, there were very few games where we put it all together, right? Where we're just dominant in every category and we wanted to be dominant in every category. So I think there was a lot more, to, I think there was a lot more to achieve to go after because I think, I mean, like the Maryland game, that 10 minutes of stretch is like, well, you, you just can't touch us at this level, you know, and, and we wanted to do more of that. And we didn't do enough of that, you know. The beat of beating Albion there, and that first time we played him out there, the game was done in twenty five minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And so, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, and then you know the LA Force game, right? Same thing here. Those were moments of like, yeah, why you're on the field kind of feeling, right? But in the end, we just didn't get it done. So. Right. I think there's still more to fulfill. I've got a 720 hard out, which is 16 minutes from now. Okay, perfect. Are you good with that? I'm good, yeah. Cool. Let's blow through some listener questions here. Um, are you good with that, Matthew? Yeah, I'm good. Go to that first one. Uh, so, how do you see the World Cup coming in 2026, changing the landscape of American soccer? And and specifically, there's a couple parts here. Specifically, how does it relate to Chattanooga the city, Chattanooga the club, uh, MLS Next Pro, or, or lower divisions in general, and then Rod Underwood personally. Um, I see. Look, I was around in '94, right? So I was there. I was in my twenties. Trying to remember exactly so long ago. <laughs> A little baby Rod. <laughs> I was in my twenties, right? And you know, I remember 
teams coming to like I was living in Albuquerque at the time, so teams coming to get altitude training because you know Albuquerque is a mile high, right? So teams coming in, uh, and I remember like <laughs> recording all the games on VHS. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so it. you know, because the games were all that. So I'm recording all of my games on VHS because I'm I'm coaching or coaching and busy all the time, so I didn't get a chance to watch them all live. But it was game changer. It was a absolute game changer, and I see it even more now because we have better infrastructure. We have more dollars behind the game. We have more interest behind the game. So I think all those things are really very good. I think it's. Um, I think it's. I think it'll be a game changer for us. I don't know what that game changing looks like. Will it make America a top ten regular to win the World Cup? I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just a, that's just a different level. I don't know about that. I'm not saying that it won't happen, but yeah, I, I think it's. I think it it'll pique the interest. You know, because <clears throat> my master, I have a master's in sports leadership, so and we did a lot of study on like these big tournaments, right? It's all about how long do they last. Mm. How long does that 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 last? But we have Olympics, Copa, and World Cup. We have a huge chance. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Zach Taylor and Vernon, for that question. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your key takeaway from the entire body of work this season, and how do we maintain it and perhaps uh, improve upon it in the upcoming season? And that's Bill CFC Gunner Forty One on Twitter. Uh, nothing on the field. It was the culture that we built. Um, you know, having to having to do the exit meetings and 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 not bringing some players back is worse than losing. And because of the culture that we built in the club of walking alongside these players, we had some highs, right? Guys having babies and really enjoying that. Guys going through some difficulties that we walked through with them. Mm-hmm. And you've built these relationships that are really special. And so just the culture that we built, the locker room was really very special. And, and I don't know, it, it, it'll be hard to get it. It'll be hard to get to that level again, but I hope we do. But yeah, just building the culture of, of the connectivity of the, of the group. Is there anything that you challenged the team to do? It's another question from Bill, um, but that never transpired on the field. No, no, they, they gave their all, they accomplished could I ask any more? I can't really ask any more. Could I? Um, I could ask more like, let's win the semifinal and get to the final. But you don't control that, right? So the things that we control, we control the hard work. We worked hard in the semifinal. Chance creation, all those things that we controlled, we controlled. And we did that. So there's not more I would ask from the guys. If there was a... Uh, the question is is Jonathan from Jonathan Hunter. What was the season's high watermark on the field? I want to take that and and kind of change it a little bit to be what what game this season was the most complete performance, the most like what you want CFC to be performance on the field. Birmingham. Birmingham was that's the best I ever saw Luis play in my life. Uh, calling to come back from his back injury and played every minute of the game until we went to PKs. Um, totally was dominant. Uh, 
Gene was incredible. Gene was incredible. He was so good. Uh, Aiden had a lot to prove because he had been on trial at Birmingham, and they didn't pick him. So he had a lot to prove, and he played well. Taylor was lights out. I mean, he was lights. He was absolutely lights out. Rich was rich. You know, Alex was was yeah. I mean, that was probably our best. And I can say that because I went back and watched that about a week or so ago. Because Gene said, Gene said to me, whenever I feel like we're not, we might not be able to get to the level. I'll go back and I watch the Birmingham game and see, wow, we were really good. So I went back and watched the game. Yeah, and that was probably for me. That was probably the best, the most complete. I love that. I I think that game um, was interesting because that was a higher level, and a lot of our guys stepped up and showed they could do it at a higher level as well. Like, yeah, that was that was a really fun game. Um, next question comes from a, a, a Twitter account uh, called Next Pro News, <laughs> which is a weird uh, Twitter follow. Next Pro News, yes. <laughs> tell us your real name. Oh, uh, but the question, and, and you've kind of touched on a little bit of this, but if this will allow you to go a little bit deeper, if you want to, uh, what do you expect roster construction to look like, or, or maybe like what's the goal uh, for for MLS Next Pro compared to how we built in NISA? We'll build the same way. We won't. We won't. I mean. We'll build the same way. We will build that we find the best player for what we can afford. And that's how we'll build again. Yeah. No, like. Got, no extra emphasis on, like, if the player is 18, so they retain, like, value or something like that. For, in some cases, we are, you know, we would, we, you know, we would say we do want to have players that. We would love to get into the transfer business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, outwardly, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, we would love to get into the transfer business, and that will have an effect on how we maybe bring certain players. But it still won't be age restricted because what we're doing is we're we are creating profiles of MLS players and what teams are paying for uh certain types of players and that will affect how we recruit but they still have to be the kind of player that we want and i I guess we were already like looking for that 18 19 year old yeah that's never going to change and and and, like we were already doing that even even this year yeah yoka yeah so I'm going to actually skip the because the next question I think you just answered, which is what is the unique challenges and benefits? Sorry, it makes us really love and sleeping on you over there. <laughs> uh, what unique challenges and benefits exist for us now in squad building it for Next Pro as opposed to NISA, which is like that, right? That you can legitimately build for a whole league that's on top of you. Yeah. Um, us not affiliated with anybody, but the ability to sell to an entire league where you can look at profiles in that league and say, like, these are the types of players. Is that a fair answer to that that's, question? Yeah, it is. Yep. What about in terms of the international market, like having having the ability to do so in the first having, place, having, one? Having a league that can qualify for P1 visas? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> we'll be lively for sure. We want to be lively. I mean, it's because, again, right, those players fit the model MLS, right? They, yeah. And how you like to play. And how we like to play. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't leave just MLS on that one. <laughs> um, so... Jeff Clymer asked, and he, he was that last question as well. He said, will our roster look considerably different than other teams in Next Pro, considering we, and I guess the Carolina Corps, are independent compared to a developmental team that serves an MLS D1 team? It's it's team by team, right? I mean, Huntsville, Huntsville will probably build similar to us with some 
tweaks because they're connected to Nashville. Um, you know, other teams. I just don't know, right? You don't, you don't know what their plan is, right? You know, you, you can see what they did this year, but yeah, not necessarily, yeah. If it's going to change, like I think, like Columbus too, and, and Crown Legacy in Charlotte. Yeah, like, they go for it. Yeah, they went for it, but like yeah. they built a lot more. Like we might hopefully try yeah. to go about doing it, right? Exactly. With a lot more like pro aged guys yeah. as opposed to like yeah, and those are also I guess. Columbus is a small market, so like their academies is not always been no super productive. They've got to work like at some it. places. They've got to work at it for sure, but they do a good job at it. Columbus oh. does a good job. And, and like so. I, I think I remember what was it they uh, they had a guy who's a regular now, like dual national U.S. Uh, maybe Aiden Morris, and like they plucked him right out of like the 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 crew two team. That's correct. Right before yeah. the playoffs because yeah, yeah, of yeah. some sort of injury, mm-hmm. went out there, crushed it. They won. Mm-hmm. It was like two years ago, something like that. Um, so like, there's definitely the the players are out there. Yeah. Does that? I mean, I, I think I think I think you would we would agree that like the level is going to be higher. Yes. Than in NISA. Uh, and, and maybe just like overall, and and then definitely the top end level is going to be higher. Yeah. So, you know how I guess I'm I'm adding a question in here. Like, do we also we also have to now like go there and and also be that like right we've got like our top level's got to go higher yeah. and then our floor also has to rise right yeah that's kind of what we talk about all the time is right and it's just as a club in general right we want to make sure we have the the right mindset and we all know right you can get clouded by the situations you've been in and so it's hard to see through the cloud but what we want to make sure of is that we don't overestimate the level of player that we have and we want to make sure that we can compete at, at MLS Next Pro. And we want to make sure that our, as you said, our bottom end is, is higher. Because we just, we need that, right? We were able to get away with some things on the lower end because at the end of the day, you get to the end of your roster, Nisa, and you're out of money. And so you just have to do what you have to do, right? Yeah. Whereas. This is going to be fun. I mean, I'm really like excited about building a team and competing with other clubs who are thinking about very similar things, winning, uh, moving players, developing players, because we want, to, we want to win and develop. We don't want to develop or win. We want to do both. What does success look like for you in MLS Next Pro for CFC? <laughs> <laughs> um, win and develop, but like, is there... Like, do we have any internal targets that you're willing to share now? Or is it too early for that? My mind's already made up, but I'd rather not share. <laughs> Beautiful. I think, I think the people can take enough enough from that. Um, Matthew, you want to finish it up there? Yeah. Uh, for Next Pro News, you specifically asked a question about uh, if Coach had any thoughts about a hypothetical rivalry matchup. That's true, yeah. Uh, and, and with Huntsville City. And I realized that we played them in preseason this year. Uh, but I'm not going to ask that question. Number one, because this podcast only recognizes Rocket, Rocket City, City United, United. <laughs> and Huntsville will be forever be Rocket City United to us. Uh, we only recognize, which, by the way, is probably the start of a good rivalry on our end, at least. Uh, they would have to have people that care about them in order for it to be a rivalry. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Coach, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Great uh, time as always. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful... Um, I feel like last season we asked you what you were going to do with your off time. And you were like, well, I'll do a little soccer stuff, but I'm hoping to take some time off. I have a feeling you're not going to be taking a lot of time off, a lot of days not working. No. Yeah, yeah no, no. It's going to be full bore, right? All the time. It's funny because my wife... my. My youngest daughter, she was like, your dad's coming home, and she's going to be taking me to do all these things. She goes, you know your dad's going to work more now than <laughs> he did last year because there's a lot more things going on. And she goes, really? <laughs> so you'll, you take a, do you have any vacations planned? Yeah, we'll do some stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah so we'll stuff. Any, any particular destination you're ready for? The positive is, and she's going to hate this, we're not going back to Disney, so that's good. <laughs> I feel like there's probably a lot of uh, young parents listening to this that, uh, that agree with that. Matthew, thank you for joining me. Mix, you were a good boy today. Thank you again, Coach. And thank we'll you. catch up with listeners and viewers soon. Peace.